This is 105.9 The Region with your stories, the good news in our neighborhoods, our cities, our country, and beyond. This is good to hear. A nine-year-old girl from Vaughn has given us hope for the future and is getting worldwide recognition as a result. At the invitation of Toyota, kids around the world are invited to design a dream car that would make the world a better place. And it's good to hear that nine-year-old Belina Mann from Vaughn is one of only nine Canadian finalists for her design called Ocean Life Rescuer. Hi, Belina. Hi. Well, congratulations. First of all, were you surprised? Huh? Were you surprised when you found out that, that you were you had won? Uh, no. No? What did you do when you found out you won? Um, I guess seems fine. Now, I am looking at your picture here. So this is your dream car, and you call it Ocean Life Rescuer. Where did you get the idea? Uh, I got this idea uh, from... I thought of this idea because I would like to... Like, save the ocean to clean underwater. Mm-hmm. Now, let me describe. I've got the picture in front of you, in front of me, and you have it in front of you. So let me describe for people listening. Over, let, let's start in the, on the very far left side of the picture. And you know what? We're going to post this on our Twitter account so you guys can see it, too. I'm looking at all these animals, and they all have sad faces. There's turtles and octopus and uh, fish. And it looks as though they're in the middle of all, all sorts of garbage. Am I right? Yeah. So what kind of garbage? Uh, there are some straw, some plastic bags, um, some boxes, uh, toothbrushes. And yeah. then, and then along comes Belina's Ocean Life Rescuer, and this is a this is a big vehicle. Now, the first thing I notice is a smiling little girl at the control panel driving this vehicle in the ocean. Is that you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I see the long, dark hair. And um, you have, what do you, what do you have? Oh, you have a diving suit behind you. Yeah. And, yeah. And what, el- what else in the front there? Um, at the railing back corner there's like a hamster okay and and there's there's a place for garbage so you're going to go pick up all this garbage but then most of your vehicle your dream car is a place where they can they can help animals get better who have gotten sick because of the garbage right yes wow is that do you think that's something you would like to do would you love to have some a car like this and go on the bottom of the ocean uh, yes. <laughs> so I'm seeing all sorts of doctors and nurses and and all sorts of people who are helping. And and you've got you've got a whale on a on on a bed being helped. But then you have little little fish and lobster uh, and and some crabs as well. Yeah. And then tell me about what's happening in the back part of the picture now. Uh, so the, that part 
um, is the water that is already clean and we the animals that are healed are released there. What what do you want to do when you grow up? Um, I want to be a zoo vet. Oh, sorry, a what? A zoo vet. Oh, a zoo vet. So you would like, so this is actually something that you would be interested in. Yeah. That's it. So, so you could be, you could help to sick animals at, at the zoo. Who knows though? Maybe Toyota, because they are the ones who sponsor this contest. Maybe they might build your dream car, the ocean rescuer, and maybe you could go be a, a vet underwater. Would that be something that would interest you? Um, yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Well, I'm very proud of you. Uh, I love this. And, and what's your message to people about putting garbage in the ocean? What do you want to tell people? Uh, I like to tell them to help pick the garbage too. So not to put garbage in there, because it hurts the animals, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. All right. Good luck, uh, Belina. I appreciate you chatting with me. Thank you. That's nine-year-old Belina Mann from uh, Vaughn. She is one of only nine Canadian finalists for her design in this contest uh, on the vehicle that would make the world a better place with her Ocean Life Rescuer. She has now entered into the World Finals for a chance at a $15,000 prize. And that is good to hear. Good to hear. We'll be right back on 105.9 The Region. Listen live at 1059theregion.com or 105.9 FM. This is 105.9 The Region with your stories, the good news in our neighborhoods, our cities, our country, and beyond. This is good to hear. York United FC on their way to another solid year in the Canadian Premier League, and a big part of that is they have one of the best goalkeepers in the league, and Markham's very own Nico Giansopoulos, and he joins us today on Good to Hear. Nico, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Jim? Good. I mean, it's been quite a journey for you in your soccer life growing up in Markham all the way through. Before we get to some of your stops, at what point as a kid at Markham did you think soccer is not just a sport, it's my passion? It was definitely my passion from an early age, but I think sports was my passion right from the start. I played it all, hockey, basketball, soccer, even tried baseball a little bit, just anything to get me out of the house and be outside. Um, but soccer kind of really dialed in for me. Probably near the end of high school, uh, I ended up uh, giving up hockey just because soccer was becoming you know, more serious, more of a full-time commitment. Um, and then once I kind of went to college, it's uh, when I really started honing in on the craft and, and wanted to give it a, you know, a serious shot of seeing it, but how high of a level I can make it. Well, you, you talk about going to Adrian College in Michigan after spending time with the Unionville Millican Soccer Club, and you end up, of all places, applying your trade in Australia. I mean, that's it's, it's quite a journey for a kid from the region from Markham who maybe went to Michigan, but ending up in places like Tasmania and Australia playing soccer. What was that experience like, Nico? That experience was great, to be honest. I mean, being a goalkeeper, uh, when you're trying to get your foot into the professional game, the most difficult part... Um, is getting games and being able to play games right away. 
Um, and that's what the opportunity in Australia presented itself. I had uh, some opportunities in the States to kind of sign on with some second division teams. But uh, when speaking to the clubs there, it was very much as like a backup role, uh, maybe even like a third string role. So you wouldn't even really be on the match day roster. Uh, but when speaking to the club out in Tasmania, uh, Devonport, uh, they were really keen to bring me in as the number one guy. And uh, I knew I could get senior games uh, right away. And that's what appealed to me. Uh, a good chance to travel and maybe uh, grow up as well. Um, so I took it and, uh, yeah, it, it was, ended up being a really good decision. Uh, I think uh, it was a great opportunity to really develop my game and, uh, again, uh, learn and, and make the mistakes I had to make to uh, continue to grow and be a good goalkeeper. I think it's a great lesson, too, for a lot of young goalkeepers listening to this, Nico, that, hey, it may be a, a, a different tier club, but if you can play on a regular basis, it, it, your craft, your ability to be a better goalkeeper will improve in a higher rate. That's exactly it. I think uh, sometimes that's the problem. And that was I was always thinking that I knew if I can continue playing games, I would get experience and I would continue to develop. So even when I was choosing a college uh, I went to a college where I knew I would play or I knew I had the best chance of playing. Uh, so that's kind of been my mentality for, for really early on in my career. And uh, again, I, I think it uh, shows and I was able to, to jump a couple of guys that maybe were rated higher than me uh, from when I was younger. What was it like uh, coming back? I know you came back initially to the Premier League to play for Calvary FC, but a couple of years ago, you signed on with a you know hometown basically team, York United FC, for a kid from Markham, and now playing for Martin Nash and having basically playing in front of family and friends in your back door. What's this experience been like, Nico? It's been wicked, to be honest. It was it was something I wanted to do. I was away from my family and friends, and they hadn't really been able to see uh, my career, my senior career at least, for around you know seven eight years. So when I got to sign back home, it was uh, it was ex- something I was excited to tell them. And then this season, just honestly been soaking it all in. They come to all the home games. They've even traveled to some of the away games. Uh, they made the trip out to Halifax. We're on our way to, to Vancouver, and they're coming to that as well. So to be able to share this moment with them, because, I mean, growing up, you know, my parents were a proper soccer family. They came to, you know, my games. It took me to all my sister's games. Uh, sports was huge growing up. So now to be able to share, you know, my professional career with them, uh, it's something really special. I think we're all really enjoying it. And now we're able to have dinners after games and all that. And, and you know, it's always a topic of conversation. So uh, it's been great. It's an age old question for a lot of soccer slash football fans, Nico. Is it, is it the quality of the goalkeeper? Is it the, the coaching and the system of your manager, your coach, Martin Nash, or is it a combination of both? Because your numbers this year have been phenomenal. And I just find defensively, I mean, is it, is it the team? Is it the coach? Is it you? Is it all the above? Yeah, it's all of the above. I mean, uh, I'd be lying to to you if I said it, it was just me to get to credit. It has to go for the whole team. Uh, I think it starts from the top. Obviously, Angus, uh, our general manager, built a, a strong team. Uh, he brought in a great coach in, in Nashi, like you said, and Nashi's system um, has been working really well for us. Uh, you got to include all 11 guys because when we're in our defensive shape, uh, it's all 11 guys that uh, play a role. So it starts from our press up top. And it comes all the way back to the back line of myself. Uh, I'm also very fortunate uh, to have great defenders in front of me. You know, guys like Dominic Sator, Roger Thompson, Jordan Wilson, Abzi, Chris Snow. Uh, they play a huge role. And uh, again, 
Uh, I think we pride ourselves on having a good defensive structure, good defensive shape. And like you said, our numbers are shown. And so we just want to continue that uh, throughout the entire season. And uh, I mean, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. Uh, Defense wins championships. uh, And that's what we're trying to do here. Speaking with York United FC goalkeeper and Nico Giansopoulos, a pride of Markham. Um, I think people are starting to open their eyes at the quality of play of the Canadian Premier League, just how good it is. I know the guys who are playing it, they know, but are you getting the sense from friends you know in other leagues and other circles in the football community are understanding how good the play is as well? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, that started right from the beginning in 2019 when this league first started. Uh, I think that was the biggest question mark is uh, how good, you know, can the Canadian Premier League be? Um, But right from the first year, I think we really turned some heads and the league has only continued to grow. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of it uh, since the league started each year. I think the competition is getting stronger and stronger uh, and the league's getting better and better and a higher quality. And I think it shows that we were able to to make it out of the tough times that COVID presented. Um, But the league continues to grow. Players continue to develop and now there's some real opportunities for for the young players now to to get opportunities early in their career uh, to start their professional career uh, and get some game time so uh, as the league continues to grow continue to build uh, it's only going to get better and Nico, I think you obviously an elite athlete there's a lot of physical things you do to prepare for a match but mentally is it are you are you doing mind sort of uh, preparation? Are you doing mental rehearsals? Are you listening to music? How do you get in the right mindset to play at your best at this level? Yeah, I, I know, I know. I've been around uh, a lot of guys, and they all have different routines, and some people really tap into the mental side of the game. Uh, just speaking for me personally, I mean, I love to play soccer. I don't think I'd still be playing uh, if I didn't enjoy it so much. So for me to get ready for the game, no matter the level I'm playing at now, it's still very much fun. Uh, and when it comes to a game day, uh, I'm just excited to, to go out there and play, to compete. I think still being able to compete is something I, I, that really drives me and really pushes me to, to be, uh, be at my best. Um, but yeah, just honestly enjoying the moment. It's been a blast and uh, I'm hoping I can continue this career for, for a little bit longer. Here, here, follow him on Instagram. He's a good follow. You could use a few more followers. Why not? Can't all be the Kardashians. Nico Giansopoulos, a goalkeeper for York United FC. Uh, continued success this season. Really enjoyed this and all the best. I appreciate it, Langer. Good to hear. This is the good news. Hey, I'm Shaliza Bacchus, and our next story on Good to Hear is all about the parks in Ontario. Now, we know the parks have played such a big role in how we've interacted with each other over the last two years. You know, there were times when indoor gatherings were not allowed, and meeting up at the park was kind of our only social means. And now that things are opening up, we're seeing different types of gatherings take place, but the parks are still very important in our Summer and visiting the park is a basic summer activity, but with visiting the parks comes picnicking and drinking and eating and enjoying time together. But a lot of people do forget to clean up after themselves or not even forget. They just neglect to do it. And this is really damaging our amazing Ontario parks. And to talk more about this and for the Love of Parks campaign, I've brought on Sarah Simpson from Parks Canada. How's it going, Sarah? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for joining me. Now, tell me all about the For the Love of Parks campaign to start off. Yes, of course. For the Love of Parks campaign started last year when Parks Canada, Parks, and National Historic Sites just experienced this 
explosion of visitation. And we reached out to some of the other partners who operate parks and natural areas, and they were across the board all experiencing the same thing, which is great. We love welcoming visitors, but at the same time, we see increase in visitors. There's also a correlation with you know, an increase of incidents related to litter, illegal drinking, or maybe illegal fires. Illegal dumping was a big problem in particular. I, I work at Rouge National Urban Park in Toronto. So we were seeing some of these behaviors. And so For the Love of Parks became a team effort uh, between Ontario Parks and Parks Canada just to align our messaging and because a lot of the, the park rules and, and the expected behaviors are the same across the board for protected areas and, and conservation areas. So we thought, you know, let's, let's align the messages and amplify them. And then this year, uh, we teamed up with uh, not only Ontario Parks, but Conservation Ontario, the Niagara Parks Commission, and Camping in Ontario um, in a social media campaign just, just to, to engage with visitors because we want them to have the best possible experience when they come to a protected area or a park. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about like basically what you're aiming to do with this campaign. You know, we're talking about how litter is a problem, but is keeping the parks clean the only thing that this initiative is for? No, I would say there there are two main goals of the campaign. Number one, it's really to encourage visitors to plan ahead. You know, visit the website of the place you're going to to visit because we want people to have the best experience and we don't want them to have any surprises when they show up. Like maybe they, they need a reservation or a permit for a certain activity. So we, we, we want to avoid having visitors feel disappointed and having a negative experience. So if they, they visit the website and they, they plan ahead, they know about things like closures or, you know, some facilities are still sort of gradually reopening. So, you know, just having all the information at their fingertips so that they can prepare in advance, you know, know how to dress, know the conditions of a trail, know how long the trail is and what they're expected to bring on that trail in terms of being self-sufficient with water and, uh, you know, other snacks, for example, if there are no amenities along that trail. So that's, that's one of the, the goals is, is just to really encourage people to, to plan and prepare and also have a backup plan in case, you know, parking lots are full. And then the second is just conveying some of those expected behaviors because for a lot of people, as you mentioned, you know, we, we saw this huge increase and a lot of people just were unfamiliar with, with national parks or protected areas and, and what was expected. So yeah, just really engaging with visitors and not only just telling them what the park rules are and being hard-handed like that, but just really talking to people about conservation, you know, with a deeper understanding of these things, you know, people will take care of places that they really care about. So um, I think that's the, the other piece of it, because we want, we want people to talk to their kids and their loved ones and have these conversations because they're going to be the future stewards of parks and natural areas. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many things that come with, you know, taking care of just our environment. And I feel like a lot of people just neglect that. And it's it's actually pretty sad. It is. Uh, well, and there are some really obvious ones like picking up litter, packing out what you pack in. But then there's some other things that are a little bit more difficult to convey to visitors, like the importance, for example, of staying on designated trails. Well, what's the big deal? I'm just going to wander off into the woods or I'm going to collect some sticks here and there. I'm going to move things around. But as soon as you get off those designated trails, the risks just increase tenfold for, for you. Um, you know, there are ticks, poison ivy, all kinds of different hazards. Uh, you could be trampling in a sensitive area. We do have a problem with invasive species. And so as soon as you get off that trail, seeds 
can stick to your clothes. You can spread those invasive species really easily. It also increases risk for dogs, so that they might have an interaction with, with wildlife that, that doesn't end well. Messages like that are a little bit harder to convey, but once we talk about it and, and we have that opportunity to, to give more information to visitors, they're like, aha, I get it. And, and then they're, you know, they're set. Yeah. And that makes so much sense. You know, I feel like a lot of people just forget that, you know, parks are an outdoor space and they house a lot of creatures that rely on, you know, the land and the space for their own living. And, you know, we can't just go and take that over. Right. Exactly. And especially in in these numbers we're seeing. So, you know, if, if you're doing something, just think if everyone was doing the same thing, just the impact of that. So, just, just trying to get people to imagine, like, what if everyone did that? <laughs> and I'm like that with my kids, like when they're picking up sticks and like, what if everyone did that? You know, that's habitat for, for wildlife, that, you know, that's a source of food or that's, you know, let's just leave it in place. And sometimes it's very well-meaning. A lot of people will collect rocks to paint at home with nice messages. And yes, it's so well-intentioned, but in natural protected areas, we just want to leave everything in place and keep it that way, keep it clean and protected for future generations to be able to enjoy the same experience. Of course. And uh, Sarah, I was wondering, like, if you think that the large numbers we've been seeing people uh, visit Ontario's parks, do you think they're going to be that large this year, considering things are a little different? That's a good, a good question. I think uh, reservations for camping were were very popular again this year. So I think campsites, you're, you're going to still see the same level of visitation for sure. And, and maybe, you know, you'll be hard pressed to get a reservation last minute. But it's hard to say at this point, the main summer season just got underway just after the long weekend. But yeah, maybe because things are, are more open, there's more, there are more options for people. So it might not be as busy. But we love we loved having visitors. We love having people enjoy nature, connecting with nature and talking about conservation. So that was really exciting to see. And it's a great opportunity to talk more with people and, and ha- have them aware of, of what's in their backyard, all these beautiful places. Yes. And, and yeah, just opportunities to connect with nature. And we know the benefits to, to mental health of just getting mm-hmm. inside. Now, Sarah, you mentioned that you operate out of Rouge Urban Park in, in Toronto in the Scarborough area, and it's quite a popular spot. I mean, I think I saw a video of it on either Narcity or, or BlogTO, and that obviously, those platforms obviously skyrocket things and I'm sure really increased uh, the visitorship. And you mentioned making reservations and things like that. Can you do that at Rouge Urban Park? No, Rouge National Urban Park is uh, a park with many uh, points of entry, and we're still an establishment, so we don't have a visitor center where you can go and purchase tickets or anything like that. And it's free admission, and it's it's going to always be free admission. So it's first come, first serve. Now, having said that, at uh, Rouge National Urban Park, we do have some closures right now. Glen Rouge Campground, for example, is closed for improvements. You know, that's an example of, you know, we want people to go to the website and see that message there and then hopefully make other arrangements. And, you know, if they call our information line, we, we have recommendations for other places we can go camping. So, yeah, again, just the importance of planning ahead. Parking is also extremely, extremely limited at Rouge National Urban Park. So we're, we're really trying to promote active transportation, you know, take your bike, walk, carpool uh, and take you know, public transit as well. Parking is extremely limited and sometimes people get really frustrated and again, we want people to have a really great experience. So if they know, if they have that in their mind that, oh, it's going to be really busy, maybe I'll take an Uber or I'll, you know, I'll figure something else out. They'll have a much better experience. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's summer. We want to enjoy the best way that we can. So what do you think is the best advice to give Canadians to support the For the Love of Parks campaign? Uh, the best advice, I, I think it's it's just that visit the website, get all the information ahead of time. And then if you witness illegal activity, like like dumping or, or illegal fires, feel free to reach out to the park staff, the wardens. I know at, at Rouge National Urban Park, we've set up a, an anonymous tip line for illegal dumping. So just have those conversations. We're not encouraging people to call others out or, or shame anyone. We don't want to create more conflict. Um, but uh, certainly have conversations with your, your family just about um, taking responsibility for your actions. And if you see other people doing it, lead by example. Yes. Pick up your own litter and show your kids that you're picking up your litter and putting it in the designated receptacles for uh, recycling or garbage. Yes, of course. That's amazing advice. And where can Canadians go for more information uh, about Ontario Parks and Parks Canada? Well, the Parks Canada website is www.parkscanada.ca. You can search by park. You can search by, search by national historic sites. So you can find anywhere you'd like to go just on that main landing page. And once you find that park, I recommend clicking the tab, plan your visit. That'll give you information like how to get there, what the fees are, the hours of operation, what facilities are available. And then there's always a things to do page that you can click on, for example, hiking, and then it'll give you all the trails. It'll give you information like the length of the trail, the description. So maybe on a hot day like we had last week, you don't want to be out, you know, in the blazing sun with no shade. So we'll have trail descriptions. So maybe you'll want to pick a forest trail on days like that because, and you'll feel the nice, the the forest just cool things down considerably. And then it'll also give you um, the level of difficulty. So that's another message, you know, hike within your limits. Like don't overdo it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to <laughs> be rescuing people um, for having trouble. And then for all the, like Ontario Parks has a website or your conservation authority. So wherever you're looking to go, look up that information. Yeah, as I mentioned, our partners are on this campaign are Ontario Parks, Conservation Ontario, Niagara Parks Commission, and Camping in Ontario. We're all amplifying these messages, and, and it's got a common look and feel, and it's going really well. So far, we've reached over 1.3 million, I think, on this campaign. Wow, that's amazing. That's what we want to hear. Yeah, it's excellent. All right, Sarah Simpson from Parks Canada. We're talking about the For the Love of Parks campaign. So, Sarah, if you could sum it all up and give us the takeaway of this campaign, what would you say? I would say welcome to natural areas. Uh, We want you to have the best experience. Please plan ahead. Visit our website. Learn what to expect from your visit. And please act responsibly and consider others when you're enjoying nature. Yes, we're all about that here. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. Enjoy your summer and hopefully, you know, our parks are going to be looking spick and span after this summer. (laughs) Thanks so much for leaving us Send us your good news stories at info at 1059theregion.com. This is good to hear.